Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. In our series on thriving in the spirit and the city, so just covering some things that allow us really to walk like Jesus in the spirit. In a city, we have an uncommon problem sometimes, um, which is chaos. Chaos, things that are continuing to happen. Um, we're all rubbing shoulders, and sometimes it's comfortable, sometimes it's uncomfortable. And how do we navigate that and walk as people of the city without getting stirred into this anxious, chaotic tornado that exists of all of these spiritual worlds and um, bumping up against each other. And so we talked about some things like prayer. We talked about intimacy. We talked about discipleship, these keys in our life that allow us to really move in the spirit. Because I know we all look like physical bodies and we're moving and having, you know, we can touch physical things, but God has created us to walk in his spirit. Galatians 5 says those who walk in the spirit will not lust after desires of the flesh. So, so many times people are worried about how they sin and not sinning and staying away from stuff. When actually this is the greatest key, which is don't worry about sin, actually walk in the spirit then you won't even desire the things that are of the flesh. You will continue to just desire more of God to be with him, to pray, to worship. I always think worship is too short, you know, (laughs) because this is what we're going to be doing in heaven, and it's going to continue to go on and on for all eternity. And I'm like, I can't, can't get enough of it, because it is us really taking on the spiritual language of hearing from the Lord. So today I'm speaking about what it means for our compassion to grow in his spirit. That we have practices that that grow that help us get get near his spirit, but compassion to me which is love and action should be growing the more that we're in God's presence. It should be advancing if we're looking at some kind of chart or something. It should be increasing our ability to feel and to connect with the suffering of others. But I don't think that's the issue most of the time when we follow Jesus. The issue is, what do we do? We've all pulled up to a stoplight and somebody comes and knocks on our window, or if they're bold, you know, knocks on our window or asks us for something. And it's sort of in that moment you feel very inadequate to help really answer the issues or the condition that this person is living in. You go, man, I got, I got a couple nickels or something. How can I even help this guy who probably needs a job? He needs housing. He needs food. Where do I start with all of this? So my heart today is that we would go out with a, with a different perspective of that overwhelming moment. And those many moments that happen in the city where we don't know what we can do about this overwhelming need. We're in a city where it's, you can throw a billion dollars at an issue and maybe it would make a scratch. 
So how do me, me as a little person with my bank account and my willingness maybe on most days to try to help someone, how do I move through this life and do it in the spirit? More than anything, how we look and find this is through the life of Jesus. That he was not walking around with unlimited resources. Yes, he did have unlimited resources from heaven. But just like us, he was, he was fully man, he was fully God, but encountering very human issues in life. He was encountering things that we encounter today. Dealing with complaining, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dealing with um, a desire to not do things that he knew God had a will for in his life. Struggling through these, um, through these things. I heard someone say that, Jesus was, was one who, who was tempted in the way that we were tempted and have been tempted. But in this passage, I'm going to read this in Luke 11 and 11 through 17. And make sure that's correct. And Jesus is. He has just prayed for the centurion servant to be healed. And he did it in a way that didn't even cause him to have to see him physically. The centurion said, I'm a man under authority. So when I tell my soldiers to go and come, they go and come. So I know you have that sort of authority. So I know whatever you say will be done. Just speak the word. And Jesus marvels at his faith and says, wow. I haven't seen such faith like this in all of Israel. Um, and I think that's a... Hold on, I think I got the wrong verse right there. Sorry, let me make sure I'm uh, in the right place. I think I said it was 11, but I don't think it's 11. 7, sorry, Luke 7. Luke 7, 11 through 17. So Jesus had spoken and by his authority had seen the centurion be healed. But the next passage is what I want to concentrate on. And um, this is Jesus is praying for a widow who is burying her son. And this time... If you were a widow with your only son dying, bless you, that was pretty much a death sentence for you as well. No way for you to carry on your line, who was going to provide for you, who was going to care for you. And so Jesus encounters this wedding, not a wedding, funeral procession that's coming out of this city. And so starting at 11... Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died and was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the beer and the bearer stood still and he said young man I say to you arise 
And a dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and the surrounding country. That this Jesus had ministered to a woman in a way that not just changed her, this current situation of a funeral, but changed her future. That given her the possibility to have grandchildren, and also given her the possibility of her name, their family name, to continue to go on. There are so many things that exist in the world that keep us from being able to walk in compassion. And this word, uh, compassion, in this passage, it means that you, are, you feel it in your gut. It is almost like your, your, the literal translation is your bowels are moved, that you feel that feeling so deep. How is it that we can be in a city and begin, which I believe we receive the Spirit of God and re- receive Christ in our heart, then we have the same feeling when someone is suffering. How do we learn to ignore that? I saw a video, and this lady was in New York City, and so she's on a corner, and she does this terrifying scream. Just, she goes, ah, she screams. And then she says, look, and shows the camera around the corner and says, everybody who looks is not from New York. <laughs> it's like that kind of ignoring something is really something that we're taught in cities. We're taught really that it's just like, keep it moving, don't make eye contact. Somebody's trying to sell me something. Somebody is trying to, you know what I mean, give me something that I don't desire. When often it is an opportunity for us, it can be an opportunity for us to connect with people. That we've learned to kind of deaden our ability to love and action, which is compassion. And we look in our hands and we go, I don't really have enough. I, I don't really have enough to address whatever this situation is, whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's gifting or um, some other kind of resource, we are constantly reminded in the city of our scarcity. But one thing about the compassion of Christ rising in us is that it kills our comparison to other people that we live in such close quarters and circumstances that we compare ourselves via social media, via, via life, to others that obviously have more than we do. Oh, look, oh, they're in Europe. My daughter has a friend. Her family went, is in Europe for six weeks over the summer. I'm like, wow. <laughs> you, you have a home here, and you're going completely there for like six weeks. That's crazy. When we compare ourselves, we start to go, God, I don't, I don't really have a lot. I don't really have a lot to give. But what, like I like to say, God can work with something. He can't work with nothing. That we look in our hands and go, this is nothing. He's like, I can't work with that. But I can work with something. And compassion or love and action is always looking at what you have. And I promise you, even if it is a portion and small, so minuscule, sometimes you got to squint with one eye to see it. It is enough for God to use in the environment that you are in. 
and so many people in my life who have spoken to me and taken their portion and ministered to me in a way that is by God's grace brought me to this moment. I say sometimes when I was in Atlanta, um, drinking, smoking every single night, trying to figure out a way to fill this void that was inside of my heart. And I would walk down this one street and this lady, um, who I believe was a drug addict, she was just always outside and all, you know, she would, she would be the one that would try to minister to me. She would be the one who would try to stop me and say, um, I told her I was going to school to be a doctor, so she would call me doctor every time I walked down the street. She was like, hey, doctor, how's it going? I'm like, who is this lady? I know. But I got to know her after a while. And it culminates in one night, she comes to me. I'm on my porch drinking with my buddies. She comes over with a Bible to evangelize me. And I was at a point where I wasn't trying to hear it. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't trying to hear what she was saying. But she was just like, God has a plan for your life. And I'm like, this is, my mind was just going crazy. And I ultimately just rejected what she was telling me at the time. But I see that as a process of God pursuing me. With someone who didn't have much, but took their little bit for me. And I think, I talked last week about Heidi Baker, how she has this, she has many sayings, um, but one of them is stopping for the one. Like, we can't solve everything in the world, but probably we can stop for one person and the portion that God has given us to bless them. Sometimes it's not money. Sometimes it's just a kind word or to connect with somebody. You know how much God loves you. You know how wonderful he's made you to be. But it really does take us to come out of our mode of, I don't have time, I don't have, I don't have. And in those modes of scarcity is often when God wants to show up and get us to be patient. If we're praying, God, I need more patience. Oh, come on, Lord. He's going to give us opportunity to be patient. He's not going to give us patience. I need more joy, God. Come on, let this joy rain down from heaven like Skittles, you know. He's like, I'm going to give you more opportunity to be joyful. To remember that you pray to to me for this certain thing. And it's how it is with compassion. That it is our love and action. More opportunity for us to see him. For us to love people. And when I'm compassionate, when I'm stopping for people, it does something to me that is not exhausting, which is very much how it can be. Now, I understand we can take this to the extreme and we're given so much and we don't have any boundaries and, and, you know, we don't know how to do anything like I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about us hearing from the spirit of God that we should take a moment for whoever it may be but being more convinced of our scarcity than anything else. We went yesterday and picked blueberries in Indiana, and every time I'm in like an orchard or something, it's such a beautiful metaphor, I think, for God. That I'm in this one place, in this one city, in this one state, 
and look at all this fruit that is here. And God has created it, and you look on a map, and it's just a pen. How many of those pens exist in the world? All this growth happening. Why am I so convinced of God's scarcity? Why am I so convinced that it's exactly me that he doesn't want to pour anything out to? As much as I attempt to live my life and worship him and praise him and give him all the glory and honor, it is like we are convinced that the only fruit that we can get is from a store and it's limited in the amount. But God has so much more for us. And I think that compassion is one that as we start to walk in it, then we realize there is a limitless supply that Jesus gave us access to. That he poured this out from heaven. He completely opened up every seal that was on heaven. And now we get to experience the beauty of the gifts of the Spirit. And I think there is a reason that is also called fruit of the Spirit. That fruit just grows and renews every single year. It comes back. That there is an abundance for us in our compassion. That word compassion in this passage is splakhan. (laughs) It sounds guttural. Splakhan. It is a feeling in your gut, the very seat of emotion, moved in that way. Even if God speaks to us and we're like, oh man, it's good. I feel God. I feel moved. But over time, when God speaks to our conscience, when we feel an um, unction from the Holy Spirit, and we start to ignore it, it goes from being something that I must do that's moving me to kind of an option on the table. It goes from being a conviction. You remember when you were first saved, you know what I'm saying, if you're saved? You remember when you were first saved and you were like, oh man, I got to tell everybody about the Lord. Splakhan, it's, it, it's moving you. But what happens over time is we start to go, it's optional. I don't, I don't have as much time. I don't, maybe my fire is going down a little bit. I got I to gotta be conscious, you know. As a parent, I can understand that because I fall asleep every night and I'm exhausted. I'm like, what did I even do? I don't know. Feeding kids and, you know, talking to teenagers. I don't know. It's very exhausting sometimes. But we start to, like, budget what we have to give. But when we're showing compassion, even in our family, there is no exhaustion that we can be able to respond to need or wait as we feel it. It's something that happens when the church begins to move in compassion. We signal to the world that love is reawakened. In Romans 8.19 it says, All creation waits with eager expectation for the manifestation of the sons and daughters, I like to add, of God. That When we come awake, it is as if love itself is coming to life. And there will be no deficit 
in Galatians 6, 9 through 10. And let us not grow weary for doing good. For in due season, here's the fruit language again, we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. That we are salt and light, but doing good can be weary because we look and we're like, everybody is wicked. We're like, I got a, I got a sibling who's like, doesn't care about Jesus and he's making more money than whatever. You know what I mean? Like these are all examples of God. I can be weary in being good where it seems like as David said in Psalms, the wicked are prospering all around me. And I'm weary. How do I be compassionate? How do I create movement? How do I love? Because we are salt and light. These are all substances Jesus called the salt and light that go on other things. Salt, salt doesn't season itself, it seasons other things. Light doesn't illuminate itself, it illuminates darkness or other things. That means that our strength and power really comes from generosity and giving. You know how I know that? Because the seat of anxiety is I. The very seat of anxiety is I. When I'm feeling anxious in my mind, I go, I, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't, I, this is not happening for me. I, it is a very inward turning phrase, a very individual phrase, I, I, I. But something about us turning ourselves outward to who God is in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our trials. And I think I'm supposed to be the end-all, the be-all to all my problems. Why can't I do this? I should be able to do this. But God really has so much compassion for us that he's freed us from the need to do it all ourselves and to be perfect and to be dependent on us. One of my nightmares is that we would create a body here where people couldn't come as they are. That you have to be perfect to come to church. That you have to be, you have to have everything sewed up in your life to come to church. Um, and the more that I think about how our weakness is strength, the more that God starts to stir up things in my family, in my personal family. I had a brother, brother this week who's, he's just had some mental health issues and he's never been diagnosed, um, but he's been in a car um, and when, he, when he's feeling very anxious, he'll just drive, he lives in Tulsa, and he'll just drive around town all night and he hasn't slept or eaten in like three days. And his wife, I've been talking with his wife and my other siblings and my um, parents that live in Tulsa, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Of course we've been praying, but he also needs help. He needs to get evaluated and things like that. And this week has been stressful not knowing how that's going to work out for him. 
like knowing he even had access to things that he probably shouldn't have access to. But it got me to thinking about my childhood and got me to thinking about all the trauma that has happened in my childhood and all the compassion that I need to have for myself and for my family as these things stir up. But I think God is, is very good at uh, not giving you what you ask for when you pray. That he doesn't settle things, he stirs them up so they can be healed a lot of times. And our life of walking through compassion with our Western minds, we have to have a solution before we begin. I got to know how this is going to work out, God, because I don't really want to invest my energy and then all my energy is gone and I've put myself completely out there. That's not the way it works with the Lord, that we have to trust that when we take our portion and we give our portion, that he will show up. Calling and talking to my family, I'm just on the phone. I'm just like trying to minister to people in the best way I can. How is this even going to? It's my portion that I have to give. And giving it in a way that is loving and action. We cannot love God and pass up opportunities to show his love. That it is us loving him. It's, I'm sorry, God didn't call any of us to be monks. He's called us to live in communion with God and live in community with man. That means that we got to get out there and love people and be united with people and to trust him. In 1 John 3:11 through 14, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. Let us love one another with the portion that we have. That we would come as we are, be compassionate to others, so that we can actually be compassionate to ourselves. And then hopefully we'll begin to rewrite hearts and rewrite the history of time and legacy with God. You guys want to stand up? I just pray, Lord, that you would uh, splock on us. <laughs> that you would let our Compassion be reawakened, God. That you would let our love for this city be reawakened, God. That we are not sent out as, as those who are going out with a deficit, but we are going out with the fullness of all that you have poured into us as children of the Most High God. So I pray today for an increase, God, 
of sensitivity to your spirit, of sensitivity to your compassion for all mankind, that people would be able to see the love that you have lavished on us, that would that you would call us children of God. And I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus real quick. Jesus! Yeah! Man, Jesus is ridiculous. <laughs> um, so if anyone needs prayer for anything, please come on up. I would love to pray for you. Um, I will be in touch keeping you updated. I'll share this week the, um, the file so we can start to sign up for, for barbecue things. And I'll be praying for all of you as I do every week. And um, so you have a great week and I will see you next time. Bless you guys.